Welcome back to Enya. Uh, this is Santos here hanging out with the artist uh, Isai of Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. So we recently did a feature on you, uh, talked about some paintings you've been working on, a little bit about what you've been through. And then here we are again, just kind of hanging out uh, currently in your space. We might hear a refrigerator go off in a little bit, maybe. Yeah, that guy gets a little loud. <laughs> he just kind of sneaks in. Uh, as long as we don't get any planes. Uh, we're currently in Inglewood, California. His address is... No, I'm just playing. I'm not going <laughs> to... I got my little St. Jude stickers with my info on them. There you go. You're just going to hand them out to people? Can, yep. I, can I mail them out to like fans? Everywhere, anywhere. Yeah. All right. Screenshotting tomorrow. But. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, did a cool little feature on you. Uh, was able to talk to you here before, get some shots of you working on your paintings. Uh, anything in particular happened from the time that video went up? Uh, I've been getting my space together, settling in a bit more since I moved into my parents' back house. So I've been doing a lot of woodworking, converted my studio garage into a wood shop. Now, I know I've been here a few times and your studio garage has always had like different versions of itself. It has. It's gone through about three makeovers. You know, after graduating, I got some pretty nice tools as a graduation gift. Been investing my time. And yeah, I started building. Uh, I was looking for more storage options. My parents gave me the liberty to turn the garage into a studio and basically do it with it as I wish. Before you had the studio space, um, I guess dedicated studio space available, what did you do before? I mean, it was just you in a, in a bedroom, so. Yeah, I have this black easel that luckily tucks away nicely but i would expand it out and paint on that sometimes hang paintings on my walls and paint on my wall in my bedroom do you have anything you're working on right now any other painting uh, i do have a painting that i started a while back ago that i continue to work on little by little and i mean little by little <laughs> it's been uh i want to say it's been a few months actually that i've been you know, it's been kind of sitting there and I've been going back at it, back and forth with it. It's another piece for the ongoing series that I have with my, with the paintings that I painted of my parents in the dry cleaning business. It's actually uh, more of a self-portrait because I've worked with my parents since, I want to say about junior year in high school. So yeah. do, you, do you normally work this way where you kind of just tackle a bit and then give yourself some rest and then go back at it or is there ever a time where you just kind of sit down and just from one day to the next it's like i've got so much done since i graduated you know from dominguez hills not really while i was in school and doing projects for school yeah i would i would sit and work sit and work um ever since getting out i just kind of been here and there going back and forth uh, back and forth from painting doing some woodwork stuff um, but yeah, not, not, not necessarily sitting and tackling an entire painting, at least not as much as I'd want to get done in like one sitting. Yeah. I know right now, uh, your paintings are hanging, um, they're currently hanging at the University Art Gallery at Dominguez Hills. Um, they're still there, part of the senior exhibition that we were able to pull off. I mean, when you get those back, like, do you feel like there's something to add to them? Like, are you going to continue the series or are you just kind of finishing this third piece and then maybe working some on something else no i definitely think there's there's more i would want to continue uh continue adding to the piece or uh, not to the pieces i'm so sorry the series 
Um, there are more paintings that I want to paint um, that will be included in that series. I think there's just a lot uh, that goes on with uh, continuing this dialogue and changing this narrative, you know, and because it's something so personal, there's so many things that come up in my mind that I just picture and want to paint. Um, so once I get this done, it would just be another addition to this series. Um, but I do definitely want to continue this series around my parents' dry cleaners and see how much I can get out of that. Do you currently work with your parents still at the dry cleaners? Um, uh, Very, very minimal right now, ever since I started a full-time job uh, as an art handler. Um, so not as much. I was working quite a bit at once uh, after I graduated, but it's been about, I want to say about three months now since I've... Still kind of touch and go with everything going on right now, the setbacks with COVID. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although still, a pretty sweet opportunity for you to be able to snag. Um, I would say it kind of helps you out. Um, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to working on next? You know, I mean, I know you're working. You know, you probably just kind of got your eyes set on something to come um, after this series. Well, I guess after this part of the series is done, is there anything in particular that you're kind of looking forward to doing? Yeah, actually, what's what I what's really cool that's happening right now, uh, one of my parents' locations, the very first dry cleaners that my dad opened, they're remodeling the building, and the city is remodeling it. So it's getting a really nice facelift, and I kind of want to touch back on all the architectural features and all the architectural stuff that I did with a lot of my paintings. You know, and before before. Um, the portraits that I made, I was painting a lot of like houses that were going up in South Central. Um, and I kind of want to not necessarily go back to that, but I want to include that in this, this series, include that in the work. And I kind of wanted to paint like a, like a before and after or like a, what my parents' dry cleaner actually looks like from the outside, you know, kind of like a landscape painting, but with the neighborhood. Of can, the neighborhood. can you tell us a little bit about that previous work that you just talked, that you just mentioned? Yeah. What yes. So um, I, in my show currently up at the University Art Gallery at Dominguez Hills, I have uh, two paintings that I painted, which are portraits of my mom and my dad. But prior to that, I was painting a lot of of buildings and houses, arch more, more architectural related landscapes of houses that were going up. The, uh, there's these buildings or um, actually like duplexes. I would say that are going up in South Central all by primarily one company that owns all of them and kind of rents them out. And they're kind of, I, I feel like these houses are, are changing the landscape of what South Central looks like, what it can look like. And it's, it reminds me a lot of, uh, what's that called when you like, uh, you go to a city and you can't paint your house of certain color. Because there's like these laws, oh, HOA, like the HOA, yeah, exactly, this, yeah, association. So it's, it's exact. It's it's like it reminds me of that because you can't do you can't like do anything with your house. You can't like customize it. You can't paint it. You can't do anything to it because it's not your property, and you're basically renting it and stuff. And they they build them in a way to make them look very contemporary, quote unquote. Just like cookie cutter. Yeah, cookie cutter houses. Um, they want to make them all look the same. They paint them all the same color or mostly the same color, and. I began to notice how, how these, you can tell these houses were new. Um, you can tell they were cookie cutter houses. They all look the same. They were all duplexes. Um, were they like meant to house maybe one or two families on a property where otherwise you would just have like just the one? 
Yeah. Kind of just stuff now. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it's like they they bought a lot, one house lot, and and they would make it a duplex and they'd make them really big and there's no yard. It's just a big old driveway from the front to the back. And it's, uh, yeah, they, they, they just try to stuff as many people as they can. Some of them were, were quite large, actually. And, and my parents and I, actually, my family and I lived in one of these for a while. And that's primarily the reason why we moved out of South Central is they get you with these low prices and then they jack up the rent, you know, and kind of start pushing people out. We we were we lived in one in in the front of one and it was a it was a five bedroom three bathroom and we're like wow that's big you know yeah. for you know the amount of rent we were paying the place we were staying in but after that they just rent kept going up and going up and going up you know and eventually my dad's like nah like <laughs> we can't do that that's you know we can live somewhere else cheaper than that you yeah. know it's I mean in some places you could actually buy and pay a mortgage for like way exactly, less exactly like half, half of what we were paying for rent you know and and we thought of it as an opportunity too because um uh we were downsizing my older sister was moving out she was getting married and then my younger brother was headed off to Chicago for college uh, so that was like another two bedrooms we didn't necessarily need so and, you guys basically had to downsize because you guys were all shifting anyway. Right, exactly. And my dad just said, we don't need these, at least like one room. Or we, can, we didn't even need two of them because it was only my younger sister and I at that time. I mean, when we were searching, there weren't even places available for rent. Because you know? <laughs> they'd all been bought up already. Yeah, they'd all been <laughs> bought up. They were all, you know, they were all, there was no vacancy anywhere. I mean, there was like, places for rent outside of like LA that were like super high as well, you know? And so when you were painting this stuff and kind of having this conversation, like what, you know, what exactly is it you were thinking about when you were making these paintings, like painting these buildings, these areas that are, I guess, gentrification would be what you were talking about. Yeah, definitely the gentrification side of it. Because what what I learned and what I figured out was that these, these buildings and houses they were building what they did is is they were built by one company and then sold off to a private owner, which was primarily a typical rich or wealthier white folk. And, you know, those were the people that jacked up the rent. And it's like they started investing in real estate in South Central, but they wouldn't come live. They wouldn't live in South Central, you know. And it's like it was interesting because in, in, in that street, actually, in that block off of 105th, we we had this new neighbor a few houses down and and it was it was a bit interesting because we noticed this cultural shift and this cultural change once those houses started going up because we started seeing more instead of you know the um people minorities of color we started seeing you know a few more white people walking around and we were like whoa like this is interesting like <laughs> are they strolling through or do they live here and we found out that they 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 started moving in and it was this weird because you, you don't just see because for me it wasn't the people that i noticed first for me it was uh the landscape that i noticed shift primarily and that's why a lot of my focus went to painting the landscape in these houses because it, it'll look like somebody cut out a house from a different neighborhood and just kind of just superimposed it right in yeah, your front yard yeah exactly and you know, me being somebody who like kind of just always looks at their surroundings and I noticed that and it was like, 
I was like, what the heck? That, <laughs> that doesn't belong there, you know? And I saw more of these coming up and 6, 7 a.m. in the morning, you'd hear like construction workers, you know, right behind your yard building another one. And it's like, what the hell? Like, what's going on, you know? And at the end of the day, did, were you able to like meet these people formally? Did you start to kind of communicate with them? Or is it just kind of people coming in and just taking over the block? Like, how was that dynamic, if any? No, it was, it was, it was just people coming in. I mean, I knew my neighbors. I knew, you know, people down the block, but the people moving in weren't, weren't communicating with anybody. They just kind of came in, settled in, and that was it, you know. It's, I, I can't speak too much about that because soon after that's when we moved out, and there wasn't too much time after that for me to verbally talk to them. Did you feel like you were pushed out when you guys left? Um, or was it just kind of like, hey, we need to change it up anyway? Like the process of you leaving your old home, going elsewhere. It it was a little of both. Um, but what I where I primarily noticed the uh, people getting pushed out is is because it was the duplex. There was always a family in the back, but it was never the same family. In the in the time we lived there was, I want to say it was about four or five years. It was rented out to like four different families. You know, <laughs> so it's like, like yeah, there was a lot of people coming in, packing out, moving. You know, we'd always have a new neighbor, and it was. What I found the most interesting is is they would always put up the banner that they accepted Section 8, mm-hmm. right? But then these people who actually came and live here, um, you know, one of our neighbors we got really familiar with, and they told us what they were going through and stuff, and they were in the Section 8 program and stuff, but, like, the year following that, they were, like, getting kicked out, too, and it's like, what the hell, you know? It's like <laughs> So you accept people, but then you don't let them stay? Or... Right, exactly. I don't know exactly what was going on. I mean... You know, we kind of just always paid the rent and just, you know, didn't bother getting into uh, problems or anything with the owners, you know. So, I mean, you went from this body of work, you know, kind of focusing on your area and like the shift, almost like an economical shift. Economic. Economical is not a word, is it? I don't know. But I think it is. Well, economical. Let's use it. Uh, (laughs) Maybe not the way I just used it. Uh, But here you are now uh, with a much more focused um, narrative you know about your family shops and kind of just family business in general in the city um, but looking at those two things you know the connection between the economics of it and then the necessity and like the working class you know what is it that led you to kind of shift over to focusing solely on your family's business yeah I, I began doing a lot of research on how I wanted to focus and express this gentrification that was going on I felt like painting these landscapes and buildings and was a bit too broad for something very specific that I wanted to cover but I wasn't sure with myself and my work on whether I was portraying that right or if I was sending out the right message you know painting these um new houses was I saying it was a good thing it was a bad thing you know some questions started arising started started began arising where I wasn't completely sure and satisfied with the way I was portraying it and the visual representation and what that meant. So I began doing a lot of research on how other artists were doing that, you know, in East LA. Artists, you know, where gentrification occurs um, outside of California, even outside of Los Angeles. And I began to learn and realize that a lot of them did it through something very personal to them. They started, you know, I saw an example of, of a lot of artists who were 
painting murals of uh, cultural significant um, features that were relevant to them and personal to them. And that's that's how they fought gentrification through something very personal and um, that would relate to the community, to the majority of the community. And I start, I began to, you know, um, ask questions to my mentor, uh, my mentors and kind of being guided in the right direction where, you know, I just, I just started to see how other artists portrayed it and, and realized that, you know, the most established place and where I can get all this information from and what I can portray was in my family business, you know, and I noticed that a lot of it was, um, you know, how I was talking about how the family behind and in the back duplex would kind you know, it was four families that lived there at the time we lived there. What I saw that was, um, well, something that lasted the longest or how what am I trying to say? It, um, was a lot more stable were the businesses there that were owned by people who lived in South central and owned houses in South central. It wasn't the people renting in South central, um, that came and go. But it was those family businesses that were established there. So even with all these people kind of moving in, moving out, you felt like the one stable thing in your environment were like these family-owned businesses? Yeah. Do you feel exactly. like that those are the cogs that are turning, kind of keeping the city yeah. going? Yeah, definitely. And I, tr I try to, you know, my parents opened their business in South Central in 2007. That was the first dry cleaners. They've kept and maintained it throughout this whole time. We opened the second one not too far from the first one. And the neighbors that stayed were the neighbors that also owned business with us, um, businesses around us and stuff. So that's when I began to kind of shift my perspective and, and realize that what was very personal to me growing up was, was the strike cleaners because you know, after school, um, my parents would, uh, instead of putting the address of our house for like the bus stop to drop us off <laughs> to the nearest school or whatever, they put the address of the dry cleaners so because you had to go to work. <laughs> yeah. So, so when the bus, the, the school bus would drop us off at the nearest school, they drop us near the dry cleaners and not the house because no one would be home. You know, my parents were always working. So we'd get off the bus and we'd walk to the dry cleaners. It was like the school was right across the street. So I, I spent a lot of my childhood, my siblings spent a lot of the childhood, we spent a lot of, you know, a lot of our childhood growing up in the dry cleaners. My parents had this little spot where they had a little crib set up for my little sister in the dry cleaners, you know, and the customers would always see that, you know, um, they noticed that my parents had kids and they would take care of their kids, you know, us, my siblings at the dry cleaners. And, you know, that's, that's something, you know, thinking about and remembering all those moments is, is definitely personal for me and and my parents so even in like moving around and, and you mentioned at the beginning how you guys eventually did have to leave i mean technically you haven't because you still you guys still have your business there you're still established and then you right. still go work there yeah um so you feel like this business and really just the businesses that exist there are like the foundation to the city as far as you growing up there I think it's also harder to to close down a business because it's it's for I mean for everybody who owns a business it's you own the business as a necessity for life you know you pay for all your things you know for your food and and your shelter so closing down a business is probably a lot more devastating you know it's a source of income 
to most people, a primary source of income that helps them survive. And seeing an establishment just go out of business is it's pretty, pretty devastating, you know, and that's why I chose to focus primarily on business owners instead of people who, I mean, I'm not saying I don't focus on people who live there, you know, because it's, it's involved. It's in, I involve the entire community. But having this specific focus on business owners was essential to my work. So I know at the, um, during your video interview, you know, you touched on this idea that as you were kind of researching other artists and how they approached art and just kind of figuring out what it was you want to talk about. You made a comment and I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially you were saying that the work that's like the most personal can sometimes come off to stronger, you know, better for someone to be able to appreciate and understand um, and someone did ask, speaking of how personal things are and how relatable they are, is there any cases where something can be so personal to an artist that it takes more breaking down for someone to understand? Do you ever get to points where you reflect on your work and say, okay, is that too personal? Should I bring it back a bit? I, I haven't had too many instances myself like that when I explain my work, but I, I believe I believe so. Uh, I think that's 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 a really good question. It's just not something I've necessarily experienced. But the reason I say during my research where I found that a lot of work that becomes, you know, very sought after and, you know, the, the relatedness uh, from the audience to the work, it's it's as humans, we experience work superficially with our five senses, you know. Um, but when once it hits, you know, that emotional part or the part where a lot of thought is put into it, it's when something gets remembered and and yeah i mean artwork is artwork and whether you experience it visually you know or as sound or um even taste you know it's it's uh yeah art art can always be beautiful art can always you know come in different forms and like and be like that from different dimensions but when there's that emotional touch this uh form of relativity it becomes an experience and for a lot of people that becomes very memorable you know, that's why that's why I felt and, and noticed that a lot of contemporary work that a lot of audiences related with became very su successful was because uh, a lot of people um, related with the work. Do you feel like that level of it being personal has more to do maybe with like the artists understanding what it is they want to do with their work? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like sometimes, too, it's it's hard for me. To explain certain aspects aspects of my work, when a certain question arises from the audience, and but I I feel like it, it, personally to me that that just allows me to um, view my work from a different perspective, and kind of think of questions that I never thought of asking myself about my own work, and you know sometimes that can bring up a, a really great discussion, and you know and develop your work even further. Maybe even help you like understand something different about yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I think sometimes we struggle with that back and forth of like, oh, this is what I want to say, but now that I'm saying it, I think what I meant to say was right. this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going back to these paintings that you that you introduced us to in the video, you mentioned specifically kind of this color, this type of paint that you use for this backdrop, um, and I personally like the way that you explained the connection to like these photography backdrops from like the early 2000s yeah. or, you know, in my case, I'm going to date myself uh, like late nineties. <laughs> um, 
and you kind of really talked about like why well, I decided on this color and also uh, the texture that it gave off once you worked with that color um, to kind of give you the representation of the specific backdrop, you know, reminiscent of old portraiture or older portraiture, I should say. Sticking with the idea of color, you know, they somebody else also asked, you know, what colors would you use to contrast the neighborhoods of Los Angeles off the top of your head? And I think this is kind of thinking more of like, well, you're working at South Central, but if you really were to think about your landscape, would you use color in a way to kind of distinguish? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was talking about uh, the work I did before those portraits, I was painting these landscapes and these new houses that were coming up. Color was one of the first things I noticed that completely shifted um, the landscape of South Central or where I grew up in. And, you know, they try to make these houses like very uh, contemporary by using this. um, I mean, I'm probably going to get very specific here, but this yellow ochre (laughs) color, (laughs) you know, to paint these houses or sometimes they were just gray with white borders and you know very monochromatic and because they wanted to make it like you know contemporary and and this simplistic like a bright brown (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, you're uh, describing something uh the color dandelion and crayola you know (laughs) there's a color called dandelion yeah yeah it's really Uh, nice yellow but it's very saturated yellow (laughs) Um, yeah, but what I, what I noticed off, off the top, um, and right away was the colors they were painting these houses seem kind of off because I noticed that a lot of houses in South Central were very particular. Um, they were very, also, I would say personal because as a homeowner, you'd want to paint your house the color that you like, or, you know, I noticed that a lot of houses were or like a mint green, or this nice little soft pastel pink, or this pastel yellow. You know, it was, it was, you know, it looked like the owner put a personal touch to it. But then you have these houses that were like cookie cutter houses, and they bought the paint off of the shelves of Home Depot and just splattered it on, you know? <laughs> so it was like, it, it was, uh, that. that's the first thing I had noticed um, in the landscape, specifically, that where I can dis- uh, distinguish whether it was one of the houses that was going up by this company or or a homeowner's house. Now, I'm as you're talking about the color of the houses, I'm I'm also reminiscing a little bit, and it is reminiscing at this point because I don't see it as often. Um, but you kind of drive by these houses where, like, in one block, you get like five different mint greens, two or three different pinks, and you've got like the one or two battling yellows. But they're always vibrant, and usually they're complemented with another brighter color somewhere in the yard like you know we've got plants and flowers and yeah. so and and i will say that's something that you see very heavily in a lot of like mexican latino communities yeah um various demographics within uh, hispanics that it's a, it's kind of a callback you know to colors of, of culture right um and then over time like as they start to kind of fade with the sun you can always tell when somebody had a little revival because it's like whoa that house is like super pink again. yeah um right, but right. yeah definitely like the more you drive around you're like well you know there's a lot more gray there's a lot more beiges i didn't know there were that many types of beiges but there are yeah and, um, and then i'd say going back to like um how relatable one's art can be it kind of just 
it can bring up like you know a notion of childhood to people where like oh i grew up in this you know mint greenhouse you know and i remember it fondly because there's a lot of memories that go back to that house you know and then you have these new houses oh i grew up in this gray house <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <Blah>. <laughs> you know so that that too it's like it there's there's so many ways art can connect or what a person can connect with art you know I can imagine that with the house being as eccentric on the outside, it probably influenced the inside to be just as eccentric or maybe its own version of it. Yeah. Can you imagine what it's like on the inside of these houses? Not that they're just browned out on like faded white. I, I mean, I, I lived in one of them. So, <laughs> and yeah, the inside no, was... They made the inside look as, you know, as quote unquote contemporary as they can, you know, and simplistic. Uh, and it's like... You have these kind of uh, light, soft brown carpets with the kitchen was all like dark cabinetry and stuff like that. And the walls, the walls were painted the same color as the outside of the house. So it's like, <laughs> am I outside or am I inside? You know, it's. Hey, man, you get bulk deals <laughs> buying wholesale. Man. Exactly. You know, it's like. You don't need to tape anything down if you're just going <laughs> to reach that brush around the corner. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, people who own their own houses, I mean, or even if you're like renting a personal house, a lot of people like to paint their rooms a different color. And it's, it, it kind of, it always goes back to like, I grew up in this, you know, blue room, in this, <laughs> this very warm black room, you know, and it's like, you live in one of these houses, it's always going to be the same color. It's like, I grew up in, in this weird pale yellow. White walls everywhere. Yeah. Or white, yeah. White yeah. walls everywhere, you know, and it's, um. So so you've you've gotten separated then with like this new cookie cutter. You've kind of lost a lot of that DIY customizing your own living space, you know. And I want to take you back to something else you said about the work that you were doing with the business in South Central. You know, you mentioned homemade signs. In fact, both this little conversation we're having right now and some of the conversation you had in your video, uh, you talked about the city being surrounded by so much commercialism. Yeah. And everything is kind of commercial, but then you, you're out at your parents' business. You're walking around and you see all these homemade signs. Yeah, you know this is a, a community who's basically thriving to like live, and I guess provide them for themselves, maintaining themselves. Um, and there's so much more of that DIY thing going on. And someone did ask off the top of your head: Are there signs that you see these DIY handwritten signs that kind of I guess become landmarks like when you're walking down the block you're like oh yeah that's that one sign advertising shirts or like i don't know like is there anything like oh, that oh man i want to say yes but but i feel like there's so many that i kind of just look at them all and just do they just kind of i want to throw this in there um mm -hmm. i've had a couple moments growing up and you know i used to live in linwood and the block to me was like the block that's the block i grew up on that's and one day I remember stepping out of my house and I was like, "This something's weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what it is about this. It's, it's weird. Same street, same firefighters across the street, same neighbors. And it wasn't till like maybe two days later, I was like, oh, they completely took out a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden, like that tree not being there, like changed the space. Yeah. Is there a parallel between that and maybe like the signs? Like, what? How do you think you would feel if all of a sudden some of these signs were missing? No, you know what would be crazy is is, I I, I want to say that that 
some of the the businesses that catch my the most attention I've ever received were like the mini markets that have all the products painted on the outside. Okay. You know, and I've seen them painted, and they're painted by the owner or like the owner's daughter or the owner's son, and you know, it's like these are hand painted, and it's like yo, these people have talent. You know, they know what they're doing. It's like, have you been? Did you go to school for this? Because they're like, no, we just, we just have to like work. Right. Exactly. And it's like, or sometimes you'll see these. Um, neon green neon yellow neon pink poster signs that you buy from like the corner 99 cent store or you know and they'll be super enhanced with markers of all colors um screaming 50 percent off sale or something you know but i i feel like there'd be a complete complete dynamic change if you know these mini markets were just bought and then completely painted over with one color you know <laughs> that would that would just trip me just out kill, just killer beige again yeah just <laughs> trip me out you know because i love these mini markets you know and these businesses that actually you know by one of our dry cleaners there's right like right next door there's this zumba this zumba slash karate slash nutritional place slash you know it's one stop shop yeah, yeah you know it's people you know hustling so great to see you know but i we knew the owners you know because they were right next door we knew the owners we were real cool with them i i'd stop in right before get my morning shake and i saw when they would paint the outside they painted the outside like this neon pink and i'm like why would they do that but then they paint zumba in front of it in neon green and i'm like why would they do that i mean it looks cool but like but then, boom, people start walking in and like, damn, that actually catches a lot of attention, you know? So and it, was, it looks super energetic because it's a yeah. very vibrant place, you know? And and I saw when they were hand painting these signs and I was like, yo, like, that is crazy. This guy used no ruler. He used <laughs> no, he didn't even like stencil it out. He didn't will. Yeah, to no, do he, it. Like, he, with the flick of a wrist, you know, it's straightest stiff arm I've ever seen, you know? It's <laughs> straight, straight line. And right next to it, there was a like this appliance place that um, looked like they'd sold the appliances, but they had a bunch of refrigerators and washing machines and dryer machines kind of just stored in there. But we knew the owner too. He fr- he fixed our fridge a few times in our house, and I noticed that they were um, painting a lot of uh, appliance uh, logos on the outside of the, of the building. They also decided to paint the face of it like this really, really vibrant yellow. The guy was hand painting these Whirlpool sign, you know, and Frigidaire. And man, like, I try to do this, you know, for some of my stuff and it doesn't come out that <laughs> clean. And it's like magnified to 10 times the, the scale or something. Can't the guy see if you can apprentice with them or something? Yeah. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I'd wish they hire me too, but it's like, I probably wouldn't do that good of a job, you know? And it's like... So you're looking at these people that are like, number one, probably working their ass off, you know, to like keep their business going. And they're, yeah. they're obviously working directly with this community that they, I guess I'm going to say live in because the times that they spend in these shops, yeah, practically 24-7. Right. So what? how would you feel if all of a sudden, like, okay, so they close down and then in comes in another business and this business puts up a nice acrylic sign with the backlight proper decals and they have certified 
um, technician services and a customer service hotline. And then like a f- small fleet of uh, like Sears vans or something. Like, you know, what what changes there? Like, how, how does that change? I, I'd probably walk by and say, cool, you look like every other store. You know, <laughs> and just keep walking. Because yeah. there's nothing for me, you know, the reason why I would, I, would, I would like, you know, just working at the dry cleaners was because there was so much stuff to look at. You know, not it, it both inside the dry our dry cleaners and and then the neighbors' stores. You know, there was this uh, this thrift store that's jam packed with stuff. Everything like they had no shelves, they had no uh, drawers, they had no like you know they had nothing because they had too much stuff. They had to just pile it, and that was so great because you can just kind of look through everything, and it was like a scavenger hunt. And there was just so much to look at, both outside, inside, you know. And the reason why I started to paint the people is because a lot of the owners and the people kind of just get overlooked. You know, you're, you're there for the product, you know, which is completely fine because they're businesses. But, you know, when you get to sit down and learn about why they opened this type of business, you know, where they come from, it starts shifting your view and it opens this, it opens your mind to new ideas and new questions. And, and when you see the guy outside, like hand painting his whirlpool, like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, where'd you learn that? How'd you learn that? Teach me, you know? Well, well the fact that you f- feel the necessity, like this is part of your work as well. Right. Um, I mean, like I said, if somebody were to move in all of a sudden, like just nice signs, new paint, do you think, I mean, do you think you'd go in there and be like, oh, that's a nice shopkeeper? Or do you think you'd walk out of there and go, yeah, his name's. Uh, Tom, you know, he likes long walks on the beach, uh, got a nice little dog, half poodle. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I doubt. Do you think you'd walk out really having a relationship with that person? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, that, that's no, the store? D- definitely not. Just because I feel like and, and it's I feel like a lot of things are connected. But just as those houses are cookie cutter houses, these are cookie cutter shops. You walk in to when if it was one of those stores, it's it's. It might look like every other clothing store that's outside of South Central or every other, you know, appliance store or, you know, just generic store, you know. And those people, if, if it was one of those, a lot of those people are kind of more centered and more focused on just selling their product. It's not so much, you know, they don't want to build a connection with you. They don't want to build a connection with the community. And it's and that's why I feel like it's so important. It's probably extremely profit driven. Yeah, definitely. Way uh, you know, that that's their primary focus. And I mean, it, it could be a primary focus for a lot of business owners in South Central too, because they have families to feed and stuff, but they'll go out of their way or, you know, they'll, they'll be, they'll connect with the community and provide for the community when it's needed. And, and that's why it's, it becomes so personal. I think, I think there's, there's something to that, you know, definitely. Um, I've had some relationships with some small shop owners in various areas that I've lived I mean, I never walk out of the mall, you know, <laughs> remembering that one person who yeah, sold me the t-shirt, right? you know, at like Hot Topic <laughs> or something. Um, I was like, I, I, I do recognize the amount of uh, pale skin, no chin, like pink hair, <laughs> black and white striped shirt, you know, just as a facade, but oh, definitely no names. Um, yeah. So, I mean... What so what's next now? You know, I know I've asked you this in the video, you know, what's next? What are you doing? But as of today, you know, the way that things are going, 
what do you think is the next thing you're going to be working on or what's the next step after today? I'm going to keep, you know, focusing on this series, um, keeping it as personal as I can for as long as I can. What I would like to do is just kind of invade a space and set up my own show or set up shows with friends and stuff. Which, you know, getting into like a a full-time job makes you miss a lot of those things that you probably dreaded, you know, staying up all night, putting a hundred pieces on a wall as fast as you can. Just trying to set up for the next day because it's a one-day show. Yeah, you know. (laughs) That needs to be taken down the very next day after that. It was really cool, but it got you tired, you know. It was tiring. But now it's like, damn, I missed that. You know, it's... (laughs) I, you know, it's like, I want to do that again. Um, I don't know. T- to be honest, I, I kind of just live life one day at a time. And I mean, I'm not going to stop making work. I'm going to keep making work. I'm going to keep, you know, doing what I do. Um, having a full-time job has kind of uh, halted out a bit more than I than I would like. Um, so I just kind of have to find that energy again to keep going at that. Now, other than painting, I know that you've worked in photography. And I know as a hobby, you yeah. would kind of turn to the to the camera as a you know just to kind of keep your brain going um I mean it's been a while you and I rode bikes for a minute taking our cameras with us nice long trails and it's been a while since we've done that it's been a while since a lot of stuff has been really available uh both because of closures secondly because you know we all work but and because it's hard to breathe in a mask while bike riding and you lose (laughs) so much air yeah. So, you know, some people swear. Um, yeah. So, I mean, do you still like find time for that stuff? Do you still kind of pull your camera out and just go snap some stuff? Do you do any of it? Not as much as I'd like to, or that I used to even. Um, I, I, I do like, you know, I like going on long drives, going where I can. I, I tend to, to carry at least one of my cameras around. But you know, I haven't I haven't gone out to specifically take pictures in a while. That just hasn't really happened. But but I do wish uh, or expect to do that. Hopefully sooner than later. Uh, definitely my 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 camera also has a lot to do with my paintings. I I do tend to use photographs for reference for my paintings. So that's why I always have my camera around. But. You know, shooting as a hobby, shooting things I like. Um, I just honestly haven't really found the time. And when I do find time, I, I try to focus on other things I need to get done before I can do something I want to do. Damn, you're an adult. I am. <laughs> it happens, man. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time today. I think we've got some interesting questions out. Um, I'm glad we were able to go a little more in depth with some of the work you've done. Um, yeah, looking forward to some more stuff coming down the pipeline later and of course i think we're all sitting around just kind of waiting for things to just i guess lighten up i don't know if that's the proper term <laughs> that might sound a little a little too charismatic for coming, some, but uh, that's well, another type of light I'm, I'm hoping there's a good cleaning coming with it so uh until then i think we're good for now thank you for tuning in with enya we're sitting here with the artist isai of los angeles where can we find you online? My Instagram, Isai of Los Angeles. That's pretty easy. Everything to together, you know. I, I like that. You're if you just... like to see some of my photos too, I have another Instagram, Cry Now, Cry Later, and we'll go ahead and share that on our page on our website. If you guys are interested, just visit Enya Studio. 
Um, we've got your artist bio up there. We've got your previous uh, interview, your photo interview, sorry, video interview. And um, my voice went up. And uh, yeah, I think we're just uh, looking forward to anything coming uh, from you. And thank you for just making the time with yeah, us. Yeah, sweet. Thanks for having me.